SAFM, setting the nationwide agenda daily. For our health talk today, we're in conversation with Dr. Zainab Mohammed, who is the head of the clinical unit radiation oncology at the Khrotiskir Hospital and the University of Cape Town. Good morning, Dr. Mohammed, and thank you so much for your time today. Good morning, Kathy. Thanks for inviting me. Sure. And we're talking about lymphoma, and it also happens to be Lymphoma Awareness Day. Perhaps from uh, the perspective of South Africa, the prevalence of lymphoma in South Africa, let's talk a little bit about that first. So um, lymphoma is not one of the commoner cancers that we see in South Africa. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you look at all the cancers in South Africa, it probably makes up about 5% of the cancers that we see. Um, so it's not that common. It is a little bit more common in the HIV population, HIV positive population um, in this country. Um, and lymphoma itself is more than just one disease. There are many different types of lymphomas that we can talk about. Um, but the great thing about lymphoma is a large proportion of the lymphomas that we see are actually curable mm-hmm. cancers. So that is the one good thing about, about lymphoma. Let's 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 also perhaps backtrack a little bit, Dr. Muhammad. What is lymphoma? So, what are you know? What are the v- various strains of diseases? So, when you say that the different types of ways in which uh, lymphoma, uh, you know, presents itself, take us through the the spectrum. So, most cancers um, would be defined by the organ where the cancer starts in. So, you get lung cancer and you get pancreas cancer and then you've got different types of cancers that live in the lung or in the breast or whatever organ. Lymphoma is a cancer that starts in our immune system, um, in our lymph nodes. You know those glands, when you get a sore throat, your glands swell up in those in those lymph nodes. And the lymph nodes are the ones that actually clear our, our, our body of infections. Um, but when you get a, a cancer in the immune system, and lymphoma is mostly in the lymphatic system, mostly in the lymph nodes, but it can also occur in organs where you have this type of tissue, this lymphatic tissue. Um, so that's what lymphoma is. It's a cancer of the, of the immune system, and you can get lymphoma mostly in glands, but also in, in different organs. So it is a cancer that can live anywhere in the body, including the brain. Um, and but the commonest types of lymphomas that we see in this country um, are the non-Hodgkin. So you get different types of lymphomas: Hodgkin's, non-Hodgkin's. Um, they they behave differently. They look differently under the microscope. They are treated differently. Um, and then with the non-Hodgkin's lymphomas that we see, the commonest we see in this country is something called a diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, which is quite an aggressive type of lymphoma. Um, type of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, Hodgkin's lymphoma is also a common one that we see in younger people. So, yeah, it's, there's, so, there's such a lot of variety of it. Uh, it's, it's difficult for me uh, to, to, to explain mm. to you how much there is, but there's, mm. there's probably like 30 different types of lymphomas and they all behave differently. But the big ones that we see are the non-Hodgkin's lymphomas, which are the, and especially the B-cell lymphomas, and then the Hodgkin's lymphomas. Those are the two big groups that we see there. Mm. So given the fact that, you know, it, it begins in the immune system, and as you're saying, not necessarily any particular part of the body, how is it detected? So generally, um, patients, the commonest way to present is with a gland, a swollen gland somewhere. Mm. So if anybody 
has a lump that shouldn't be there. With lymphoma, it tends to be maybe a lump in the neck, a lump under the arm, a lump in the groin. So that's the, that's the common way that it, that it presents, that lymphoma presents. Um, it can also present with other symptoms um, if, if the disease is sitting on, on the inside. For example, patients can present with chest symptoms, shortness of breath and coughing, and then when they do an X-ray, they can see that there's a, there's a lump in the chest or a lymph node mass in the chest. So, But the commonest way for people to, to, to present are, are glands that you can feel. Um, sometimes people lose weight. They have fevers, night sweats, and that can all be due to the lymphoma. Sometimes they have a very itchy skin, and that can also be due to the lymphoma. Mm. In, in terms of the gland, Dr. Mohammed, is this um, is it a painful gland, or is it just something that uh, becomes a growth? Because it, it's not unheard of for people to have growths, and as as long as it's not hurting them, then they yes. feel that they can postpone investigating why it is that they suddenly have this growth. And those are the ones that need to be investigated mm. <laughs> because um, it's a painless growth. It's usually a painless lump. Mm. Um, if, if the, the painful growths that you get, uh, let's say you, 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 you cut your foot with a piece of glass and it becomes inflamed and you get a painless lump in your groin. Mm. That's because of the infection in your foot. But uh, sorry, a painful lump. So that is a, that is painful. If it's related to inflammation, it tends to be painful. And and the, you know your your foot gets better, your the infection gets treated with antibiotics or something, and the lump should go away. Mm. But a painless lump that doesn't go away must be investigated. All right. So people shouldn't just sit at home and you know think no. it will self-resolve in time. No, they shouldn't. And they, if they go to the GP and the GP doesn't think much of it and thinks maybe, you know, gives them something like uh, antibiotics or something, thinking it's, it's related to some infection somewhere and it doesn't go away, you've got to go back to your GP. You've got to go back to your clinic. Because if it doesn't go away, particularly if it grows, that must be investigated further. Mm. Let's talk about um, the differences between lymphoma and leukemia. And why it is sometimes that the two are mistaken for for, for the other? So there is some overlap. Mm. Um, You get this very slow-growing or low-grade leukemia called CLL, chronic lymphocytic leukemia, but it can also be in lymph nodes, and then it's called SLL. So so there's a bit of overlap there. And then you've got to overlap with certain types of leukemias, like the lymphoblastic leukemias, that can also cause lymph nodes. But the big difference is, if you've got a leukemia, it's in the blood. It's circulating in the blood. The cancer's in the blood, mostly. It can be in lymph nodes as well. Whereas with lymphoma, the cancer is mostly in the lymph nodes. And much less frequently in the blood. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge difference. You get different types of leukemias as well. You get leukemias that are that, that are very aggressive and that need to be treated urgently. And you get the type of leukemias that you get in young children. That leukemias are the commonest cancers that we see in young children. Um, but uh, lymphoma is nodes, so not so much blood. Yeah, yeah. So how is lymphoma then diagnosed, Dr. Muhammad? You do have to do a biopsy. So you've got to take a little gland, you either take the gland out or you do a needle biopsy of the gland 
um, and that the, the pathologist looks at that uh, under the microscope and does many stains, um, and that's how they actually diagnose a lymphoma. Mm. And that's how you diagnose any cancer by doing a biopsy. Mm. Outside of the risk factors in terms of a weakened immune systems and suffering from uh, different diseases, you mentioned the likes of uh, people who are living with HIV who could be more yes. susceptible to lymphoma. Are there any other at-risk age groups particularly when it comes to lymphoma? Um, so the main, so as with a lot of cancers, a lot of cancers, you know, for some of them, we know what causes them. For others, we don't. Um, for example, if you look at, at breast cancer, um, it's related sometimes to a family history. There's a genetic uh, abnormality, and you could be getting breast cancer because of that. Um, lung cancer, we know smoking. With lymphoma, um, it's not that there's, there's no actual causative organism. We think it might be related to certain infections that you may have had as a child. But what we do know is that the people that are more at risk getting lymphoma are people whose immune systems are not functioning well, as you said. So people with HIV are more at risk of getting uh, lymphoma, particularly, and their type of lymphomas tend to be the lymphomas that are related to other viruses circulating in your body. Um, and then we also see it in, in people that are on immunosuppression treatment, people who've had transplants. Um, but most of the time, there's no actual cause for it. So it's not like a disease that you can prevent from happening. Mm. The only way that the only group that you can prevent it from happening are in your HIV positive um, patients. And the only way then to prevent you from developing an HIV or AIDS related cancer is to actually treat the HIV mm. and to strengthen your body's immune system. I want us to talk about some of the treatment options that, that are available for people who are suffering from lymphoma. So the treatment for of lymphoma, it does depend on the type of uh, lymphoma, but the treatment is generally chemotherapy. Okay. It's not the type of cancer that you can operate on or cut out or anything like that. Um, you've got to have chemotherapy. You've got to have a treatment that goes into your blood to wherever the cancer mm -hmm. is and to wherever the cancer might have spread, where you can't see it yet. So that's the type of treatment that you, you, that you must give for lymphoma. Um, there's also other treatments, what we call targeted treatment, that is specifically targeted to the actual cancer itself. Um, we call them monoclonal antibodies. So for the common cancer that we see, the diffuse large B cell lymphoma that we see, there's a drug called rituximab, which actually targets the cancer cell. Um, yeah, so that's the that's the that's the treatment for lymphoma. It's uh, chemotherapy plus immunotherapy for most of the lymphomas that we see. We're in conversation with Dr. Zainab Mohammed, who is the head of the uh, clinical unit radiation oncology at the Hrotiskir Hospital. We'll continue our conversation with her. As always, you are invited to be part of the conversation. We'll take your questions, your calls on 011-714-2006 and those WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. It's 11.30.
It's our health segment for this Thursday, I mean for this Wednesday rather, and we are in conversation with Dr. Zainab Mohammed, who is with the Khrutiskir Hospital. She is the head of the clinical unit radiation oncology there and we're talking about lymphoma and today actually also happens to be World Lymphoma Awareness Day and this cancer and how it affects the lymphatic system of the body. Dr. Mohammed you know, you talked about, again, the difficulty with lymphoma being the fact that, you know, it mainly would be found in one's lymph nodes. So when you are treating the cancer and people are going through chemotherapy, how are you able to tell, you know, where this therapy needs to be going, especially because, like you're saying, it's not like a breast cancer or a lung cancer that is targeted in that way? So when patients um, present with a gland somewhere and they get a biopsy and um, the diagnosis is a lymphoma, they get referred to us. Uh, we see the patient, we will examine the patient, check if there are any other areas that we find, and then we will send the patient for uh, further investigations. Um, and those are called staging investigations because we need to know what the stage of the disease is. So with lymphoma, the most important scan that we do is something called a PET-CT scan that can show us all the sites that are um, that are affected by the lymphoma. Um, and then we use that scan to stage, to know where the disease is. And also, after once we've given the chemotherapy, and depending on the type of lymphoma, we have certain protocols as far as how many cycles of chemotherapy to give. Um, and then before we've completed that, treatment, we would do another scan just to check and see whether the patients have responded well to their treatment or not. Mm. So that's the way that, that we do it. Mm. I also just wanted to, I mean, I don't know if you've, so I was on a, a meeting with the um, Cancer Alliance uh, last week. And one thing that I that I learned and that we actually are seeing here is that the number of lymphoma cases is on the rise. We're seeing more lymphomas now than we used to in the past in South Africa. Um, and in fact, when you look at um, the risk, uh, the top five cancers affecting men and women in South Africa, lymphoma is actually there in the, group, uh, in the, in the type of cancers affecting males in South Africa. And I think it might be because of our huge population of people living with HIV in this country. So, sorry, I'm not. Yeah. No, 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 that's fine. It's, it's, it's certainly something for us to know and, and to keep yes. in mind as well, uh, given the fact that you're saying there's really not much one can do to prevent themselves from getting lymphoma. But, you know, yes. having diseases such as HIV, of course, puts you at, at a much higher risk than, than one would ordinarily be. And for patients that, that attend these clinics, when they present with, with lymph nodes, with glands, often um, the doctor's uh, the first thought is that this must be TB because that's the commonest disease that would affect lymph nodes mm -hmm. in this group of patients. So sometimes patients get treated for tuberculosis um, for a while before they get the biopsy. So the important thing is that any diagnosis, you must have a proper diagnosis made. So anyone who has a lymph node that's not going away, that's painless, um, and who might have other symptoms like fevers, nitrates. It may be TB, yes, that's the commonest thing, but it may also be lymphoma. And the way to know whether it's the one or the other is to do the biopsy. Mm -hmm. So that is the most important thing. People need to have a biopsy done. How does this affect um, quality of life, specifically from the perspective of the patients that you see on a daily basis that you are helping treat? 
So people are very scared of cancer treatment, obviously. Firstly, people are scared of cancer. When you hear the word cancer, any cancer, I mean, the first thing people think is that they're going to die of the cancer. Fortunately, that mindset has changed. And people that are more informed um, know that there are treatments that can cure cancer. Um, as far as our population is concerned, so I work in a state hospital, and most of the people that come to the state hospital are people that are more that are injured, injured that are reliant on the state system. Um, and when people come here, there's obviously a lot of fear, there's a lot of concerns. But the thing about lymphoma, particularly, um, and especially if it's picked up early before it's caused too much damage, before it's spread too far, is that it is a cancer that in the majority of patients we can actually cure the treatment that we have with the chemotherapy that we have. So yes, chemotherapy does have side effects, but these are short term um, and the reason that you're giving it is for the long term gain and the long term gain is improved survival from the cancer. Mm. And have you seen cases where people try to extract the, the 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 glands that may have developed in certain areas of their bodies without necessarily seeking uh, the appropriate medical attention? Oh yes, mm. yeah, yes, we see a lot of that. <laughs> I figured, which is why I wanted you to tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people would choose alternative treatments. A lot of people mm-hmm. would combine alternative treatments with the treatment that we get here, um, that we give here. Um, I mean, in fact, I, I saw a patient today, um, a lady who we treated, a young woman, HIV positive, who we treated for lymphoma in 2019, and she never completed a treatment. It didn't, the disease didn't disappear completely, and we wanted to follow up with a different treatment called radiotherapy. Um, and then she decided that she didn't want this in discussion with her family. Um, and in fact, she came back with a huge mess today. Mm. Um, and I asked her, why didn't you come back sooner? And she's actually from Zimbabwe. And she said, no, her family said she must come back to Zimbabwe. And they tried for months all kinds of alternative things. And now... She's back here with a huge mass in the neck. It's mm. grown. It's huge. But we're going to try and help her. We are going to try and help this patient. So, you know, it's everyone's right, just like with the vaccine, to decide that they don't want treatment mm. and they want to try something else. But the big problem is that when people try something else, they often then present quite late. And the later you present with your cancer, the more difficult it is for us to treat your cancer. Um, so yeah, we do see it a lot. So, 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 in are you able to remove the glands in all the cases with our treatment, with our chemotherapy? Yes. No. Okay. No, not not always. I mm. mean, you can't cure everyone. Mm. Um, so we have certain ways of prognosticating. So if somebody comes with, let's say, with Hodgkin's lymphoma, Hodgkin's lymphoma is one of the most curable lymphomas that we see. It's the one that we see in young people. It's curable with chemotherapy. Um, in about 80% of cases, we can cure them. But if you come with very advanced disease, your chances of cure are less, maybe closer to 70%. But if you come with very early disease, mm. your chances of cure is over 90%. So if patients present late, you do have less cure. And then uh, with, with the lymphomas, like with the Hodgkin's, with a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, with the, with the B-cell lymphomas, you get some that are extremely aggressive, some that are not as aggressive, and some that are slow-growing. 
and the treatments are all different. And we have different ways of prognosticating, looking at these cancers to know how patients are going to do. So with the commonest one that we see with a diffuse large B cell lymphoma, we look at a lot of things, including the stage of the disease, how fit the patient is when they get to us. You know, we call it performance status. Are they in bed most of the time? Are they that sick or are they still up and about and walking? That makes a big difference. Um, and then there are certain parameters that we look at in the blood. So there are certain fixed, we call them prognostic factors that we look at and that we can almost predict when the patient gets to us. Mm. And we've done all the tests. We can predict whether they're going to be of that group that does well or of the group that doesn't do that well. What so role, yeah... Sorry to come in there, Dr. Zainab. Yeah. What, what role um, do genetics play when it comes to lymphoma? So does it matter if I've got a relative who's had the cancer before? Does that put me at a higher risk as you would have with some of the other cancers? Um, not so much with lymphoma. Um, there, there have been some studies done in the U.S. where they look at huge families where they see that if you have a lymphoma um, in a first degree relative, your chance of getting any blood-related cancer like lymphoma, myeloma, anything like that, is twice as high as in the general population. But to consider that this is not such a common disease in the general population, there's not that strong genetic uh, component to lymphoma. Um, not like we see with colorectal cancer and mm. breast cancer, where we see a very strong genetic component, even with lung cancer. So not so much with lymphoma. We're in conversation so, with the, mm. all right, all right. Sorry, Dr. Muhammad, go so for it's it. Not a, sorry, it's sorry. not a cancer that you would screen for. Mm. Like you would screen for um, for breast cancer mm. um, in family members that are affected. There's no screening. Okay. We're in conversation with Dr. Zainab Muhammad, uh, who is the clinical unit, the head of clinical unit radiation oncology at the Hrotiskir Hospital. I'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006. If you have specific questions uh, for Dr. Muhammad about some of those growths that you might be seeing, not really understanding what it is, she, of course, is ready to answer your questions. And uh, also, you know, if you suspect that you're well dealing with a case of lymphoma, or even if you are uh, in treatment for lymphoma, we would really love to hear from you on the WhatsApp line. The message there, it's 0614-104-107. Dr. Mohammed, do people get born with lymphoma? No. Okay. No, it's not. Um, I mean, there are children, there are childhood cancers mm-hmm. um, that you can see in babies. And you can get lymphoma in, in young children, but it's not very common. And no, it's not something that you can that you're born with. Okay. I want us to listen to a couple of WhatsApp voice notes that are being sent through to the show on the subject. Good morning, SAFM. Dimpo uh, here from the Free State, Mujahaper. The approach of chemotherapy it will always remain dangerous. Why do I say this? The approach of chemotherapy is to destroy cells, right? So now, in the body, there's good cells and bad cells. The chemotherapy doesn't know how to differentiate between the cells. It destroys the cells completely. Dr. Mohammed? Hmm. 
Would you like to weigh in, respond to that voice note? Yes, your the, the, the speaker is correct. Chemotherapy doesn't differentiate between good or bad cells, but the chemotherapy attacks fast-growing cells. So your faster-growing cells are your cancer cells. They grow faster than your normal cells of your body. Um, and the difference is the cancer cells, the genetics or makeup of the cancer cells are abnormal. So your cancer cells don't recover after the chemotherapy, whereas your normal cells can recover and regenerate. So that's how chemotherapy can differentiate. or That's how you get that. Uh, the cancer improves. Patients have side effects because it also affects the, the chemo, also affects the normal cells. But your side effects get better and the cancer doesn't always come back. Um, so that's chemotherapy. But then I spoke about, with lymphoma, I spoke about targeted treatment where you have, and there are lots of new treatments on that, that, are, that are being discovered where you can actually target cancer, cancer treatment. So we're seeing more of that coming about. Mm. But yes, cancer does. That's why cancer has side effects. But um, the alternative is not to treat the cancer, not to treat the lymphoma. And, well, then obviously the... <laughs> The only uh, outcome then in most patients would be death from the lymphoma. Yeah, I suppose, you know, when you've got to take the options that are available to you, but we know that chemotherapy in and of itself is not an easy process for for no. really many patients to, to go through. No, but it's what it's what we've got to treat cancer. Yeah. Um, and, and you've got to, for a disease that's so aggressive, your, your treatment also has to be quite quite aggressive unfortunately i mean she was if we could just drink whatever uh, veggie juice and cure our cancers wouldn't that be fantastic there wouldn't be cancer <laughs> around um there wouldn't be people dying of cancer if, mm. if that was the case yeah um yeah all right let me play a couple of more whatsapp voice notes on the subject uh, good day sfm and to the listeners it's anonymous from durban uh, i just like to ask the honorable guest uh, what is the difference between malignant and non-malignant cancers? Please shed some light on that. Thank you. Dr. Mohammed. So, um, you get, so any lump can either be malignant or non-malignant. If something is malignant, that means that it's growing abnormally, and that means that it's a cancer. Anything that's so... No, what we call non, non-malignant lumps or benign lumps are lumps that, that might be growing, but they're not cancerous, so they don't have the potential to invade or to spread or anything like that. So you can have a little a lump on your skin or, or, or let's say under your skin, a fatty lump called a lipoma, which is not malignant. It's benign. It can't spread anywhere. It can't cause any problems. Um, but you, then you can get another lump on your skin or under your skin that is malignant, like, for example, a skin tumor or melanoma or something that can spread, that spreads to other organs, that can cause a lot of havoc, that can grow and and cause problems. So malignant means cancer. Non-malignant means it's benign, it's a growth, it's not Mm -hmm. cancerous. Mm -hmm. Some of times you you, you need to remove non-cancerous growth because they can also become cancerous or they can be causing a problem. But, yeah, so... (laughs) That's, that's actually a very basic mm. question mm. Um, about cancers. You could have answered that question. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> 
we we stay away from the technical issues doctor you can imagine yeah. uh, during uh, during I a think, time yeah during a time such as this especially with with covid people have so many legitimate questions and you know it's just better if 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 they're hearing it from from the polit- i mean <laughs> not from the politicians but from the experts the medical experts themselves so so like yourself as we're doing now Okay. Yeah. Let me go to Luvo in East London. Good morning, Luvo. Good morning, Katie. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I thank you for taking my call. I would mm. like to know from the doctor, I'm not suffering from cancer. I was listening to your program and I became concerned. I do have a limb which is just below my lower jaw, just below the ear on the left-hand side. It's been there for quite some time. Uh, it's not painful, but I just, when I listened to it, I heard this morning, I thought that I should get advice if there's anything that I should be concerned about. How big is this um, lump? It's it's not big. It's not big, but because you normally look at the mirror, you, you notice that there is something very funny. Is it bigger than a centimeter? Yes, yes. And how long has it been there for? You say for a very long time. Probably more than uh, 10, 10 to 15 years. Wow, such a long time. Okay, yes. a lump that's been around for such a long time, that's not increasing in size, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. But if it is in getting bigger, increasing in size, then I would definitely get a doctor to, to, to have a look at it and to decide whether it's something that should be biopsied or not. So you say so you can see this lump on the, in your neck when you're looking in, in the mirror, but it's been there for many years. So it, it might be something under the skin, like a cyst or something like that. It's not necessarily um, malignant. <laughs> That's the word that the other gentleman. It's not necessarily malignant um, if it's been there for such a long time. But anything that's worrying you, you should go and have it checked out. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not Even worrying. Even if it's been there for a long time. Mm. Yeah, it's not worrying. When when you want to feel it, you want to hold it. You don't you don't feel it at all. But you, when you look at the mirror, you see there's something funny. Mm. Yeah. All right. So I, do, I go, do I go to a to a GP or to a specialist or what? No, go to the GP. Okay. And then the okay. GP needs to examine you properly, and they need to examine the rest of your body to check if it's gland anywhere else. Um, oh. That's the important thing that you, they need to do a good and thorough examination. Okay, thank you so much. All right, Luvo. Okay. All of the thank best. You, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> out in okay. East London. All right, Eric and Toyando will take you after this quick break. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We're focusing on on lymphoma for our health talk today. Dr. Zainab Mohammed is on the line with us. She's taking your questions, your calls. Eric, you're calling us from Toyando. Good morning. Morning. How are you, Kathy and the Honourable uh, uh, Dr. Mohammed and the Honourable colleague? Yes. Right. Yeah. No, I have, I have I have some questions. In the literature, when we were hello, hello. Hi, Eric. We're listening yes. to you. I'll give you a chance yeah. to ask two questions. Okay, only two questions. Okay. In the literature, when we were still in academic, we used to be told that uh, a benign uh, uh, breast lump is non-cancerous. And then the, the painful one, no, 
the, 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 the non-painful one is cancer, the painful one is not cancer. But again, it adds up on top that uh, the age. Nowadays, from through the experience, I've seen people with the disease, while I, I was at school at 20, 22 years, with breast cancer. The other thing that I've noted is like uh, the revision of the age limit and the symptoms. Just like in a cervical cancer, after quater care, uh, the doctor will understand if there is blood, that's a precursor of uh, cervical cancer, but it's not well taught to the underground primary health care workers. I don't understand about that. Even the age, those are the things that are worrying sometimes for us when we are practicing. Thank you very much. I didn't quite get the question. I think it was just more of a comment that, you, that you're making. Hey, hey uh, Tate Eric? No, the, the, the question is about mostly it's about the age because I've seen uh, uh, the cutoff age, which is there in the literature. People have cancer before that particular age. That's the thing. So, so the cutoff if, age. Uh, Look, uh, are we talking about just generally how, the cutoff age to treat cancer? Is that what you're trying to say? or No. I've seen them, and uh, of course, they end up not uh, surviving. So those are the things that are troubling us, whether we go for a night for any lamp or not. So that's the thing that is worrying. Okay. okay. Um, I, I must say, that Eric, I'm, 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 I'm a bit lost. But I think, yeah, he's talking about the cutoff age for cancer. I don't know if it's if there's a cutoff age for which you can be diagnosed with cancer, or for which so you, cancer, you, yeah, can occur at at any age. Obviously, there's a time period in our lives when it's when we see more cancers. Yeah. Um, and and that is usually in adults. You see more cancers in adults than you see in in children, um, you see more cancers in adults than you see in teenagers. Um, as far as lymphoma is concerned, that's a type of cancer that we can see across the board, young in children, in teenagers, and in adults, and in elderly, in the elderly. Um, so we, because lymphoma, there's so many different types of lymphomas. The, 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 the lymphomas have different ages where you see it more commonly. Um, so with Hodgkin's lymphoma, we tend to see it in the younger age group, and then we also see it in the elderly age group. So depending on the type of lymphoma, there's different ages. There's certain lymphomas that we see more in the elderly than in the young. So yeah, okay. that's, that's how it is with lots of different cancers. You have different age groups where mm. it's more common. I really hope that 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 clarification is somewhat helpful um, to to Dr. Eric because I I also wasn't quite clear on what he was asking there. So, okay, I think we've got enough time for maybe one or two more voice notes. Uh, So, Dr. Zainab, I'll just play the voice note and you can respond after, okay? Yeah. Hi, this is Daniel Joshua Chalen. Just a question with a guest. Uh, My dad died with cancer and they say it was cancer of the liver but it came from somewhere else and affected it, kissed my eyes. 
his liver. My sister also died with cancer and it was a cancer of the womb. And uh, since two of my immediate family members close to me had cancer, am I prone to cancer as well? Thank you and God bless you. Yes, Dr. It does, yeah. yeah, yes, it, it does sound as if uh, this family, there is more cancer in this family. Um, so one would actually need a, a professional, perhaps even um, what we do here in, in, in our hospital, if we see cancer patients, you always take a family history. And if you notice a trend like this, um, it depends obviously on the type of cancer, but you do find in some families cancer is more common than in other families. Mm. So um, I would, for this person who's got all these family members, um, if they can, if they can go and see a, a, a professional or an oncologist, or not, well, not an oncologist, but maybe go and see the GP first. They can do a little um, family tree and just to see where are all these family members that had cancer, at what age were they when they had their cancer, and of course what type of cancer it is, and then that way you can actually know what your risk are to get certain cancers or you can get an idea of whether you are at higher risk than others. But generally, if, if, if what this person is saying, there's a lot of cancer in the family, then it probably is some sort of genetic um, mechanism in that family. Dr. Zainab Mohammed, let me thank you so much uh, for your time and for having come on to uh, the show and sharing your expertise with us for today. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, Dr. Mohammed is with the Hrotiskir Hospital. She's the head.